Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in after a late night, at least that's what it ended up being anyway for me, a late night Ole Miss win over Texas A&M, 31-28 the final, although I'm not exactly sure the score is a good indicator of how that second half went. Ole Miss came out of the locker room and was significantly better than the Aggies after being down at halftime. Uh, A lot of things to take away from this game, and I'm really glad that you guys are with me. So first, I'll do – I had a thread that I put on Twitter last night, so I'll I'll go through that and explain to you, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that you can take away from the a, a lot of significant things that happened in this game that are more than just a win over what is a struggling Texas A&M team. So we'll go through those. Uh, and then I'll give you some thoughts about obvious, you know, obviously let's talk about how Quinshaw Judkins is unbelievable. Jackson darts day defensively Lane Kiffin, by the way, didn't forget that Jimbo Fisher called him a clown, made multiple references to that after the game. That was hysterical, but uh, so a lot to talk about from this one. And your uh, and your reaction podcast. I am again Michael Borky. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, all under the same name B O R K E Y. Follow on Twitter, like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, find this one there. Just search Rebel Report. Uh, subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. Don't listen in browser. I know some of you do, but I would encourage you not to. Just pull out your phone, find your favorite podcast app, and subscribe there. So. I think this was a really significant, a really significant win for Ole Miss for uh, these six reasons or so. So first of all, uh, you know, I had one person, and I shouldn't think about what one person says on social media to me, but I had one person push back on this and say this narrative has to stop. Would love to know what that person's talking about because I think this is one pretty elementary, and two that there's no way to spin this negatively. But either way. Now, Ole Miss is 8-1. and one. They are 8-1 and one going into the latest bye week in the SEC. You heard me talk about it uh, earlier this week. I think that a bye week this late is uh, it should be against the rules. Ole Miss is an incredibly banged-up football team. You had a bunch of guys on the field um, in College Station that uh, are playing through, in some cases, multiple injuries that just desperately need a week off, and yet they played. And they played well in a lot of cases. Um so, but Ole Miss is eight and one, and back in August, if I offered you eight and one going into this very late bye week, how fast would you have taken that? And, and we did it a little bit on the radio show on Friday or, or Thursday. I can't remember the day, but either way, when you really lay out what Ole Miss lost from last year's team, for them to have lost all of that and be sitting here at eight and one is uh, an incredible uh, indictment's not the right word because I guess that has a negative connotation, but it, it, it is a a very it's very telling about your football coach and your program's leadership um, being at this point. Remember, Bears repeating they lost one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the history of this school. I'm not going to argue the best, but one of them for sure. The entire running back room, three 
wide receivers, the offensive coordinator, a pass rusher that had, what, 16 and a half sacks last year that's currently doing the same in the NFL, both starting linebackers. Dean Leonard is now on the Chargers 53, man. Jacob Springer was really good for Ole Miss when healthy last year. All of those guys are gone. Also defensive coordinator, who you beat last night, by the way. I'm sure you remember the broadcast telling you about that a thousand times. And also your strength coach. Both coordinators, strength coach, quarterback, entire running back room, three wide receivers, both linebackers, unbelievably good defensive end, a defensive back that is currently on a 53-man, and a strong safety that was really, really good for you. All of those things, gone. And yet you sit at the bye week at 8-1. and That is is a, a remarkable, a remarkable thing to be here at this point. I don't care if the schedule has been easy or hard or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter. If you play in the SEC West and you get to your week 10 bye week at 8-1, and after losing all of that, it really shows what you have leading your program. It it goes to show that you've got something really special leading your program. Because I don't think there's a single Ole Miss coach that could have done this in the past, and how many programs in America could do that? Very few. So that, that's a remarkable thing. So it's just a big win to get to this point because of that alone. Also, 10 wins in an access bowl are still on the table for Ole Miss. Tennessee got a win last night. They're very good. Georgia and Alabama are obviously still there. So an access bowl might, you might need a little bit of help uh, to get there, depending on how things shake out. But the access bowl is still very much Uh, on the table uh, for this team. Ten wins, going back-to-back ten-win regular seasons, again, would be a remarkable accomplishment. Um, It's time for people nationally to start paying attention to the program and respecting it more than they did going into the LSU game. It's time for people to start paying attention a little bit more, but it doesn't matter what they think. You know what you've got going on. Uh, And so that those two things are still very, very much on the table for this team. Also, you get a week off. Like I said before, they they need it badly. You've got guys that are playing, straight up playing hurt. And, you know, it's football. It's a physical game. You've got a lot of guys that are playing hurt. But Ole Miss not having an off week uh, up until this point has been detrimental uh, to the team and the availability of certain players. Now you get a week off. While your week is off, your next opponent is playing LSU. And so you get to sit at home and comfortably watch that one. Uh, Unless I'm missing something, it it looks like uh, college game day should be headed to Oxford for the Alabama game. So you've got a chance at 10 wins. You're going to get the national game day spotlight on your program. I think I could be wrong, but it certainly feels that way. Maybe if Alabama loses to LSU, that changes things. I don't know. But if you look at the slate of games that weekend here, let's uh, let's do that right now on the fly. Actually, I probably should have had this prepared. But that's okay. You guys will forgive me. It's it's early, early on a Sunday morning after being up late too, way too late watching that football game. College football games take too long. We'll talk about that maybe uh, in the offseason or or some other time because, uh, yeah, they, they take way too long. Just the delays and the delays and the commercial breaks being as long as they are. So we're looking at week 11. Week 11 because Ole Miss is off in week 10. Let's – we're about to see if game day is coming to Oxford. So, obviously, they're not coming from action on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Georgia's at Mississippi State. That will not 
be uh, be a game day choice. Um, at least I don't think. Indiana at Ohio State, no. Missouri, Tennessee, no. Nebraska, Michigan, no. Louisville, Clemson, no. Alabama's at Ole Miss. There it is. TCU's at Texas. I don't know if they're going to send it to Austin again, considering how bad they are. I doubt it. Washington, Oregon, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, they're not going to be number nine anymore. North Carolina, Wake Forest, they're not going to be number 10 anymore. Um, Unless they go novelty, or maybe if LSU – if LSU beats Alabama, they might send them to Fayetteville. That would be the game that I'm concerned about is LSU-Arkansas. But, yeah, I think based on this, looks like college game day might be coming to uh, to Oxford. Next thing, very important thing, second-half offense was productive. Now, it was mostly centered around Quinshawn Judkins, and, uh, and Jackson Dart did a lot of good things with his legs. But still, Ole Miss came out of the locker rooms for 21 second half points and that's been something that's been an issue for this team is they would hit a wall whatever it was offensively they would hit a wall and were unable uh to execute after that and they're the best first quarter team in america they're definitely the best opening drive team in america as we learned again uh last night but 21 fourth quarter points or excuse me 21 second half points uh, i should say uh, really opened the game wide open, and then AM tried to climb back, and things got a little squirrely there for a second. But no, Ole Miss offensively uh, was really productive in the second half. And, and that's something that they hadn't done. And that's something that they hadn't done against teams that have a lot less talent uh, than Texas AM does defensively. There's, uh, there's no doubt about that. So uh, I thought that was really significant last night to be productive offensively in the second half against a team that's more talented defensively than Auburn is more talented than Troy and Tulsa and um, hell, even Kentucky defensively. You would think that A&M is more talented than Kentucky defensively too. And they had productive offense in the second half. Judkins was unreal for a freshman 34 carries 212 yards was just, um, Oh, I guess the net was two Oh five, whatever. Um, Average six yards per carry on the road uh, against that defense, where at times it felt like they were getting a little too conservative offensively on first and second down, just uh, being a little bit predictable there. Despite that, he still ran for over 200 yards on six per carry. He was unbelievable. Jackson Dart was also very, very good. I had just under 100 yards rushing. Again, they factor in sack yardage, which is just it's just stupid that they do it in college. But either way, he should have had 108 yards rushing, but it counts as 95. But multiple conversions for him with his legs, he's tough. He's really tough. Uh, sometimes he shouldn't take the take the hits that he does, but uh, physically he's a tough kid and he runs well. And his pocket awareness is pretty darn good also. I mean, he was under duress a lot uh, last night. And, and was still able to maneuver around and make plays with his legs. And he's solid. He's just really solid for a young quarterback. And, and again, uh, it, it looked like it last night, making plays with his legs, uh, displayed really good leadership, uh, just in the environment where things got uncomfortable. And more on this in a second. Uh, Judkins, Dart, Evans, when they, you know, they had him on a pitch clock is what the way they described it on the broadcast. But Evans was good when they gave him the ball. He will greatly benefit from a week off and uh, just a really good offensive night in the second half. On the flip side, I think there are some things that the defense can take away from this game. I think there are some things that they can take away from this game. Uh, The first two series were pathetic. Uh, 
they, they were straight up pathetic. I mean, there's no other way around it. But then, uh, those counted because they do. They count on the scoreboard and everything else. But then after that, they kind of settled in a little bit. Uh, they were able to get some pressure on the young quarterback who greatly benefited from a couple of circle catches, circus catches, I should say, on deep balls. Um, otherwise, Ole Miss was able to rattle him a little bit. And after the first couple of series, um, they, they made they, they tackled a little bit better in spots. They were able to get some pressure. Uh, they got some stops. I, I think there can be some confidence that they can take away from this game. So the first two series, again, were, were absolutely pathetic. Uh, everybody, uh, along with myself, were making jokes online about how bad they were. I was going to pull out a thesaurus at some point to try to describe it, but then they settled in and they made plays, and that's what allowed them to to climb back into the game offensively was because they kept getting stops. And, you know, they gave up the, the, the touchdown late, and he, they just kept everything underneath and, and kind of just wanted to – coast to the win, I guess, because it looked like they abandoned what was working to some degree um, in that spot. But there should be some good things that they can take away from this game defensively. There should be some good things. Uh, They tackled better in spots. They got some stops. They made some adjustments and played better after a terrible couple series. I imagine that um, they feel pretty good about how they ended up playing after uh, after they started. They at least should feel that way anyway. At least uh, at least I think so. This podcast, by the way, is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market for office technology and you're located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi, ABSMS.com has got you covered. If you tell them I sent you, you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So, again, wherever you are in the state, if you are located in this state, and you need coppers and printers or mail machines or cloud storage or data security technology in the office. If you need it, tell ABSMS or Advantage Business Systems at absms.com that I sent you. And you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need, what your budget is. They'll give you an assessment on me. That's absms.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University right there. In Oxford, if you didn't make the trip to College Station, which it looked like there was a good little Ole Miss crowd there, uh, loud at the end, that's for sure. Um, But if you didn't do that, I hope you got your weekend started at LB's. If you're cooking with meat, that's the place to go get it, and it's right in your backyard there in Oxford. That's LB's just across from Kroger on University, the best selection of meat in this state. They've also got daily lunch specials on, on the work week, Monday through Friday. And when you go, tell Greg or any of the good people there that I sent you, and they will hook you up. So that was a really mature win, I think, for uh, for a young football team. That's what kind of stands out to me. If you think about everything that was going against them. So, you know, they get off to a hot opening drive anyway, and then things settle down pretty dramatically. And A&M jumps out that they just, you know, run right through your defense for a couple of easy touchdowns. And suddenly you find yourself down on the road and you know, the, the crowd, which isn't as intimidating, but the crowd's into it. You're losing, your defense is getting gashed, and you're struggling offensively, and yet they settled in. They didn't blink. For a young football team to be down on the road like that, to settle down and play good football and have a really, really good second half where they execute and win a game despite injuries abound, I think that says a lot 
about the maturity of your young football team. I thought that was a really mature win considering everything they were up against. Again, banged up, ninth game in a row, down early on the road, and yet they pull out a win, and they were really dominant in the second half. The score Again, the score doesn't indicate how much better Ole Miss was than Texas A&M in the second half of that game because they were. They were significantly better uh, than A&M in the second half of that game. So those are uh, those are some – no, those are all the, the excerpts from my post-game thread. We can't not talk about Lane Kiffin and the clown thing. Uh, we spent some time on the radio this week talking about it where um, people kind of forgot because the Saban-Jimbo feud got all the headlines because of just how blunt it was. But earlier this year, that whole thing, that whole Texas A&M defending their recruiting and by God, we don't pay a single player and we do it all because of the ring, even though paying players is legal now and nobody cares. Just tell the truth. If you told the truth, nobody would care. But since you're denying it, everybody thinks you're weird. Uh, That all started with Lane Kiffin. He mentioned something back in February about how they're approaching the luxury tax. And so Jimbo Fisher in a press conference with Texas A&M behind him and his athletic director's strong endorsement called Lane Kiffin a clown. And then it just kind of dissipated there for a while. And people stopped talking about it because then the Saban thing happened. And, of course, that gets more attention, understandably so. But Lane Kiffin didn't forget. Lane Kiffin did not forget. Um, his opening In his opening statement in his press conference, he said, I, can't, I want to wait on Jimbo, see what he has to say, see if he calls me in Saban clowns. He also said to, uh, to Cole Kubelik after the game, that he was going to, hopefully that Jimbo had a Joker costume for him to wear for Halloween. And he also said that, uh, quote, 390 yards rushing against a bunch of five stars is pretty good. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, um, he didn't forget. This this is what we talked about on the show earlier this this week was a lot of people forgot that that happened. Lane didn't forget. He was very keenly aware that Jimbo Fisher called him a clown and he made sure to get his shots in. Um, and I, I couldn't blame him. I could not blame him. Also, a couple of things uh, I think worth talking about before we wrap up is one, I think we know who the uh, orchestrator of the fake injuries was last year. I don't think it was Lane. <laughs> I think it was I think it was Durkin. And you even saw but you would like to – I'm, I'm sure a lot of you liked it. Honestly, I laughed at it. But but Lane, when he was pleading to the officials about the uh, pick play that they ended up calling correct, by the way, with Mingo uh, scoring a touchdown and being behind the line of scrimmage, as Lane's pleading his case to the refs, an A&M player says something to him and his response, I can't – or I, I won't use every word he used, but essentially – told the player to fake another injury and called him some other stuff. And while it was funny and I laughed because it was funny and he was right, you would like your coach to not, maybe you would like your coach to not do that, but also I laughed. So, but yeah, I think we know, I think we know where that method came from because you saw it a lot last night. It was a pretty terrible watch if we're, uh, if we're being honest. So I think we know who the orchestrator of that was now. And and he now coaches at Texas A&M in, instead of Ole Miss. Uh, and also the, uh, the Tavius Robinson uh, targeting, roughing the passer. It, it, 
I'm glad that they wiped the targeting off the board because that was the right call. But on what planet is that roughing the passer? On what planet is that roughing the passer when the ball was leaving the quarterback's hands when his helmet was in his chest? Tell me what's roughing the passer about that. I think I could be wrong. I think because they called roughing with targeting, the only thing that they can change is the targeting. And they just made a bad call on roughing. I think that's how that that went either way. And then to hear Jordan Rogers on the broadcast over and over talk about, oh, that's targeting. Yeah, those textbook targeting. No, it, the, the, the kid's face mask was in the quarterback's chest. His head snapped back because when a 270-pound man running full speed hits you in the chest, your head's going to snap back. I mean, you've got you've got a bunch of monitors in front of you. Don't what. And, and then for, for him to essentially advocate for a kid to get suspended and kicked out of a game for that hit when it was clear that his face mask was in his chest, it's just a little – it's just stupid. Uh, the, 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 that whole dialogue was, was really stupid um, because you know what targeting entails, him being suspended for the first half of the next game, which happens to be Alabama. It wasn't targeting. Kids shouldn't be kicked out of games for that or suspended for that. And, and to advocate for that when you should have a big screen in front of you that's showing that his face mask was in the quarterback's chest. What are you talking about? So, anyway, a couple of gripes. Good win, though. Good, uh, very good win for, uh, for Ole Miss for a lot of reasons. Now it's time for them to go get healthy. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if they can heal up with the, uh, with the off week in Alabama. Having to play LSU feels a little bit different now than it did a few weeks ago. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.